Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. My guess, he's gone if someone offers him a job, but I don't know. It's Jim Harbaugh. I wouldn't predict anything other than he's probably wearing black slacks right now. SI's Russ Dillinger. One of Leach's coaching buddies called me right after the game and start talking about that trap play and how, how Mike Leach would have never called that trap play and he would have been pissed at Steve Spurrier Jr. for calling the trap play that basically won the game. And SI's Pat Forty. You want all the glory, all the attention, and all the money, both the head coach and the quarterback, getting a lot of money out there at USC. Stand in there and answer some questions. It's not that hard. It's part of the job. Do it. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Uh, we're going to start by just uh, saying our thoughts are with uh, DeMar Hamlin. This is, we're taping this on Tuesday morning. Uh, he's in a Cincinnati hospital, obviously, the um, Buffalo Bills safety. Uh, and in this world, he played five years at Pitt. He's a native of, uh, of uh, Pittsburgh, McKee's Rock, actually, just outside Pittsburgh. He's produced a ton of great athletes through the years and was a uh, – you know, all ACC player at Pitt, really, really good safety, hard-nosed player as that program really ascended. And uh, we don't know what, when you're listening to this, what the latest is, but you know, our thoughts are with that. We all get a lot of joy out of watching football. And someone had the line, it's not a contact sport, it's a collision sport. Mm, yeah, and, and, you know, and, and there's only so many... So it's kind of amazing. So many brutal collisions happen, and and this is still exceedingly rare. So our thoughts are with uh, Hamlin and his friends and family and everyone at Pitt who who really liked him. Real program guy, you know, just a really yeah. good player. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people uh, with very, you know, a high regard for Demar Hamlin from his time at Pitt. Um, Obviously, he has a great player. Led him in tackles his uh, his senior year and gone on to a, the NFL. Uh, but yeah, this is. I mean, football is a wonderful sport. We love it. We talk about it here year round. But uh, it does have a side to it that is scary at times. And we certainly hope this uh, turns out as well as it can for for Demar Hamlin and his family and the Bills. Yeah, he was like a top one. 50 kind of player who wanted to stay at Pittsburgh central Catholic high. I think he played at and, um, you know, could have gone to Penn state, Ohio state all over at that level and wanted to stay close to home for his, uh, his little brother, which kind of tells you all you need to know about, about somebody. So hopefully, uh, as you hear this, there's, there's, there's good news, some kind of progress or something like that, but we, we don't know. All right, let's talk about this. We're going to get to some of the January 2nd games, including the sunset that did not occur. <laughs> Pasadena. I make fun of the freaking sunset the whole year, and the sunset comes back and <laughs> says, ha, ha, you didn't like us? No sunset. <laughs> so uh, joke's on me, apparently. And, and the number of people sending me... <laughs> Social media messages. Where's the sunset? 
Sky was like, I'm at the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of people concerned about our well-being on oh. the pod without having the sunset. Oh, yeah. Were you going to do it? Were you okay? I'm, I want a <laughs> refund. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love being part of all of your lives. Thank you for bringing me joy. <laughs> I was laughing a great deal at that. But yeah, amazing January 2nd after May. It was really fun. Great games. So, but let's start with Harbaugh. And again, this is a breaking news story. Jim Harbaugh could be, have just signed like a 40-year contract with Michigan by the time you hear this. Or he could be gone or he could just be floating about. But this is what we're going to talk about. Absence, any additional news. Reports are out that Denver is interested Indianapolis could be interested. The Carolina Panthers could be interested. Uh, And all of this occurs one year after Jim Harbaugh tried to get the Minnesota Viking job, got rebuffed after flying to Minneapolis and didn't get the job. That was humiliating. Declared he was returning with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Delivers arguably the best season in uh, one of the best seasons in Michigan history. I guess they didn't really, that, that non-conference really studied it, but they made a, another Big Ten title game, won at Ohio State, gets to the playoff, really has a rough performance in a game they should have won. But uh, after declaring this was a one-time dalliance with the NFL and his interest in winning the Super Bowl was over and this would not be an annual occasion, here we are, Jim Harbaugh, back in the NFL sites and for 36 hours since the report, zero statement from Jim Harbaugh saying, I'm staying at Michigan. There are entities at the University of Michigan who think he is gone if he gets the chance. There are other people close to Harbaugh who tell me they don't think he leaves. He's having too much fun. This was his like most content year. My guess, he's gone if someone offers him a job, but I don't know. It's Jim Harbaugh. I wouldn't predict anything other than he's probably wearing black slacks right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if he orders milk today, it's going to be whole, not skim. Other than that, I don't want to predict anything with this guy. But this is a big one. Pat, what do you think? Harbaugh gone or staying? My, my sense is, is largely the same as yours, that if there is an opportunity to go, he, he wants to do it. I don't know whether you, and I say this as a Broncos fan, I don't know whether anybody wants that job because you're tethered to Russell Wilson for years uh, unless you just want tens of millions of dollars of dead money on your payroll. But, hey, Indianapolis, where he played, where he's, you know, considered one of the great figures, really, that the franchise has had. Carolina's got a chance to basically start over there. Uh, Maybe, you know, uh, as you pointed out, if he meant what he said last year about that was a one-time thing and he he's committed to Michigan, then you just come out and say it, all right? You cut the cut the speculation short. It was bad enough last year. I believe, wasn't it signing day or the day either before or after when he interviewed with the Vikings? I mean, it was like February wild 3rd. I think he lost the job. Yeah. So, so it's right there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... I think Michigan's probably preparing as if he's going to go, and we'll see where it ends up. I, 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 obviously, no. Predicting what Jim Harbaugh is going to do is crazy, but if you make me say yes or no, I'm going to say yes, he would leave if he has a place to go. Seeing the uh, stories yesterday that started coming out, it, it, I, it was deja vu, right? Uh, the same stories came out a year ago, very kind of like, speculative anonymous sourcing but it's things that we've i think you know pat and i talked about it actually at the uh semifinal how um that that if there's a G- info job that that comes along that there was a thought that he would he would leave and that's been the case it feels like for the last few years it's just yeah will it all work out i mean like dan said last year he had he had the the chance there people i think people forget or or think that he decided to stay but 
obviously I, you know, I don't think that's what happened. I think enough has come out to realize that uh, he didn't get the job. So will he get the job? Is there a market out there for him is the big question, but yeah, it's, it's, it seems pretty obvious within the industry the last several years, his wish was to, to go back or there was a good chance that if he had an opportunity, he would go back, go back to the, to the pros. So I don't know if it, it works out, you know, got really close last year. Obviously, it's a huge job if it were to open. You know, we always talk about the late season coaching cycle and how there's always something that pops up and causes some dominoes. And this is obviously one that would. Yeah, we'll get to who, let's get to who who takes it. But let me just reread. I mean, this is a, a column he did with Mitch Album, who he's very close with for back to his playing days. Mitch Album, the columnist at the Detroit Free Press, famously wrote Tuesdays with Maury, which... Uh, you know, many years ago, but I think sold tens of millions of copies. But uh, quote, there was there was a tugging at me that I was once that close to a Super Bowl. If you remember, he lost it to his brother and they were their play away. They also made two championship games and almost won those NFC championships. And I didn't get it. Some NFL jobs came came open. I, I was contacted by the Vikings. It's very innocent, right? The pretty girl was flirting with me. So then I decided <laughs> I'd go to the dance. But then um then she said no. Uh, anyway, for better or worse, it was something I wanted to explore. I went in thinking I'm going to have 100% conviction. And if they have 100% conviction on this, then it's something I'm going to do. Well, that didn't turn out. So he calls. I called Ward Manuel, the Michigan athletic director. And I asked him if he wanted me to be the head coach. And he <laughs> said, yes, 100%. And I said, okay, then that's what I want to do. And I told him, Ward, this will not be a reoccurring theme every year. This was a one-time thing. It sounds like me when I quit drinking. (laughs) (laughs) His players had no, everyone had no problem. They said coach. Oh, this is always good when they make up fictional, coaches make up fictional conversations. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Players weren't upset. Say, coach, we all want to go to the NFL too. And when one of us wants to explore going to the NFL, you support us and wish us well. And if we look at it and we came come back, you'd be, you're thrilled, and we get right back to work. <laughs> okay, sure, the Super Bowl is the greatest prize in our sport, but winning a national championship—that's pretty darn great. Let's do that. Let's. There was a pull to the NFL because I got that close to the Super Bowl, but at this, on and on. Now let's go chase college football's greatest prize. It, it's all right there. The Super Bowl is the greatest prize in sport. Winning a national title, quote, pretty darn great. He wants to coach the NFL. He's an NFL guy. Yep. And that's fine. He never should have said it's a one-time thing, but I don't know if anyone believed him other than maybe a few people reading a Mitch album column a year ago. But I always thought he was a short-term answer at Michigan. And actually, those those lines last year made me wonder, well, maybe he does want to. I mean, he's 59 now. Like, maybe he does want to mm. stick around. But he was brought back to write the program. They were like 24 and 32 in Big Ten play under Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. And for Michigan, that's what's not acceptable. Winning a national title is is desired at Michigan, but it is not the mandate at Michigan. Make no mistake, they're very disappointed right now. But this isn't Alabama. This isn't Georgia. This isn't whatever. Like, But you can't be losing all the time in the Big Ten. And he came back. He got that in order. He finally, after, you know, X number of tries, with six tries or something, beats Ohio State. He finally wins the Big Ten. He's got the program humming. He's done what he was supposed to do. And he settled family business. And to me, it's to see him go, other than those comments, is absolutely no surprise. So we will see. I wouldn't take that Bronco job for the life of me. But Carolina Air Indy, yeah, maybe. I mean, Ursay liked hired Jeff Saturday. He'll never fire Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hired Jeff Saturday because he liked him. I mean, you know, I mean, Harbaugh can be uh, so I don't I mean, I to me that he's done his job at Michigan. And other than Georgia, no one's had a better two year spent. You know, it's hard to win the national title. So I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Or you want to get into who the hell they'd replace him with? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, I I would have a heart. I'm sure there would be some Michigan fans that would be hurt if he left. 
since he's a Michigan man and since he did say one thing last year and is now doing another thing this year, uh, at least presumably. But he he did. You're right. He 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 got Michigan back up off the canvas, and I think most importantly, he 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 got over on Ohio State and has turned the tables on who is the preeminent program in the conference at this point. So that was the one part of the job that was undone. As you said, winning a national championship is not a mandate there because they, they haven't done it very often. If they, if that were the mandate, they would have been firing coaches a lot more frequently. Well, Bo Schembechler never won it. Right. And Lloyd Carr won, you know, won one, but it's a, it's a half a title. And back then you, <laughs> You beat Ohio State and you get to go play Washington State in the Rose Bowl. You don't have to sit there and and go play Georgia. You know, you know, there's no playoffs. So yep. a little easier. And the other thing, I mean, was look, they've they've made two playoffs. There might be some element of realization, too, that while we've made two playoffs, we're still a ways away from winning the national title. They have not led for a single second in either of the two semifinals that they played. They were not close against Georgia last year. They were close against TCU, but again, they never led the game. That you, you can point to eight different ways where they sabotaged themselves with one player or another, but still, they, they're not a national championship program yet. And he's, he can look at it and say, I've done my job here, but he might also be saying, hmm, we got to get a little bit better, and that might be difficult, and maybe, yeah, this is the time to scratch the NFL itch again. Yeah, well, like like Dan said, he just strikes me always has as a as an NFL guy who obviously from that story you read, you know, thinks that the Super Bowl is the top prize, and it seems like you know coaches are competitive, and the goal is to you know win win what they believe is the the ultimate prize. In for him, it's that, and yeah, it it, it seems like if he gets the opportunity, it he'll be gone, and that. Obviously, it leads into, yeah, who who would replace him in an incredibly uh, good job, one of the top, pretty easily one of the top, I would say, 10 jobs in, in uh, college football. Well, let's go there. I mean, it, you know, we're way ahead of the game here. So we're going to see if anyone, if the NFL really wants him when they interview him. But I, I do think the thing, just one more bit, I mean, Harbaugh's strength is coaching, notwithstanding some of the decisions on New Year's Eve. But, I mean, look, his quarterback threw two pick sixes and fumbled on the goal line. And, you know, and uh, you know that's, that's hard to overcome. But some of his decisions were not, not the best. Certainly the Philly special play, but those are always – trick plays are always like, does it work or not? He hasn't recruited great off of these this resurgence. Uh, granted, he got a whole bunch of NFL guys when they weren't winning it. Um, and I do think 2024 – He's going to do really well. Jaden Davis, the great quarterback from Charlotte, is expected to go to Michigan, but he has kind of balked at different things. Do we do enough NIL? Every coach complains about that. You know, Michigan doesn't have, as far as I know, things like, you know, bowling alleys and barber shops and their thing. And does that matter? So maybe he's like, this is as good as we're going to get. Let me get out of here before I, I lose to Ohio State or my, my coaching stock drops. So. But let, let's say he does leave. The timing is not great. He probably does not get hired this week. I mean, we were talking February 3rd, right, was the last yeah. one. But the NFL's Black Monday where they fire a lot of guys. Now we have some interims, so maybe we can get these jobs. But what, if you're Michigan, Ross, where do you go? Do you promote from within? Uh, that was a big thing last year that actually helped, I think, push – Josh Gaddis to Miami as they 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 went with uh, Mike Hart I think was the did they make Mike Hart the interim yeah. running right Do you go Mike Hart their former great player Did they have an interim They never or? made an interim but but that was the suggestion is that he would get he would be that It's like oh, like internally didn't yeah. they kind of like was didn't it come out that they kind of decided that they would go there and that was part of the Gaddis maybe leaving in some maybe way. that was it. Yeah, he they was, like kind of decided shift. You know, they they kind of internally decided that that would be the. Uh, it might be Mike Hart over Gaddis. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, right. I think that was the that was the speculation. Yeah, but I don't think they ever had. Yeah, Mike Hart had 
you know, I don't know. Do you go that route or do you try to find somebody and who, you know, Luke Fickle would have been great, but he's in well, Wisconsin yeah, now. Right. It's That's what I thought of is well, there's a couple coaches that would have been great that now, you know, have other jobs and probably aren't leaving those other jobs. And that's and that's Luke Fickle's one in uh, Matt Rule is another. Uh, if he were yeah. if he had delayed and he was still lurking around and didn't have a job, he he makes a lot of sense too. got to wonder what he's thinking right now when he as he's hearing these things, um, not that Nebraska is a terrible job, but obviously I think anybody would tell you that, that Michigan is, is a better, better job right now than that. So uh, those two came to mind as you can kind of scratch them off and they would have been probably the top, some of the top names, especially, especially well, both of, both of them, you know, then I get down to somebody that's been rumored for a lot of big 10 jobs and that's Matt Campbell at Iowa state. I mean, he didn't have, the greatest year this past year. And that certainly has hurt him and, and hurt him during the cycle, maybe a little bit, but you think about him, but yeah, my, my mind can't help but go to boat it, go to two coaches that probably would have been great for the job that, uh, you know, timing wise now they're at Nebraska and Wisconsin. Yeah. The fickle thing would have been interesting because he's just been wired his entire life to not like Michigan. I've always said that's easily overcomable Mm -hmm. when you actually get a chance to be the Michigan coach and get paid Michigan money. But still, uh, you know, I think he would have been much more comfortable as as he went to Wisconsin. He seriously considered Michigan State as an Ohio State guy. I think it would have been difficult for him to put on the maize and blue. Yeah. Matt Campbell to me, boy. There's still I, I don't look at Matt Campbell and say that guy's going 12 and 0 at Ohio at Michigan and beating Ohio State. Maybe he could, but his program, while he's done a great job consistently winning at Iowa State, they took a big step backwards and they have never gotten to the point where they could win a conference championship in his time there. I do think the in-house candidates, Mike Hart and Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, yeah. who's really highly regarded. Mike Hart actually, I think talked to Western Michigan, interviewed with them, uh, and then either pulled out or didn't get the job or what happened there, I don't know. And Sharon Morris reportedly declined to engage with uh, Western Michigan there. They, you know, they, I don't know what Michigan's appetite would be for elevating an assistant coach, but last year at this time, as we talked about, there was a lot of thought that they had really good people in the building. Jesse Minter as well, the defensive coordinator. Rick Minter's son, super well thought of in the profession you know are those guys ready to jump up and take Michigan I don't know but I think that there would be at three in-house candidates who would get at least a uh, a chance to discuss the job with Ward Manuel should it come open and you know I don't yeah. know Go ahead. specifics of like uh some of the buyouts of some of these coaches like bigger name coaches but like you know would James Franklin would would that would he be somebody that would would make that move would would Dave Aranda you know be somebody that mm. would would make that move and, and then again Lance Leopold at Kansas just signed a new deal mm. and again I don't know the specifics of that but you know he's he's kind of a name that uh that kind of sticks out to me a little bit those are more established names and how about hey how about somebody <laughs> who uh, beat Michigan who's playing in the championship game down in Fort Worth uh, that that doesn't seem like a Good fit, but I don't know, Sonny, you know, Sonny Dyke. So, gosh, it's a good enough job where established names like all the ones I just mentioned, you would think, you know, would they, you you would think that could be a possibility. And how about, how about, this is a weird one too, again, fit wise, but what about Lane Giffen? You know, I mean, he's always interested in uh, being on the move, but uh, I'm just uh, throwing, kind of throwing stuff out there, but yeah. (laughs) Well, I've thought about, I thought about that. Yeah. I can't see Lane. No. Lane in Michigan fitting. Yeah. Tough fit. (laughs) Wouldn't be surprised if he wanted it. No. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would, that would certainly be, it's it the, the the assistant pull is really tricky, right? Because sometimes you elevate them. A lot of times it does not work out at all. And other times it's it's uh, Dabo Sweeney, right? Mm-hmm. It's yep. Lincoln Riley. It's it's mm-hmm. Ryan Day. But do you have a guy you fully believe in? And that's really it's impossible to know. And you know we've seen this trend of kind of going that route. 
Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame? And then is there going to be a little bit of a growing pain or something like that with some of these different guys? Like we just, you know, Kirby Smart never had a head coaching job. Brent Venables never had a coaching job before. You you have to see how it goes. Dan Lanning had a pretty good season, but is it, you know, do you go that that young route? The two that I always think about with with Michigan, and I, I mean, I don't know if it's if it's possible, like is is Pat Fitzgerald. Mm. Do you find does he finally say, you know what, I, I I'm gonna do it? Um, and I know they're coming off a losing season, but like he's Pat Fitzgerald, right? The other is David Shaw. Hmm. That's interesting. Who left Stanford. Yeah. And, you know, I know it fell apart at the end, but it's part of that with Stanford. And it's like, I don't know, right? I just just think those guys would be real. I'd like to find out. How about that? I don't know. I don't think they'd probably hire him. But, man, you bring David Shaw in at Michigan. And it's like, boy, that that could be formidable. Yeah. It's a similar system. He's Harbaugh's former guy. Um, It was a long time ago. But, man, like, that would be really interesting. And and it's not like he's a bad coach. It's just it's not it's hard, it's hard to win forever at those places. So why guys normally jump from Northwestern and Stanford? Yeah, those are interesting names. The problem is there. Like all right, so Shaw really tired of college football. Yeah, yeah, right, and right. and not up to speed on NIL and transfer portal. And part of it is you just couldn't get transfers in at Stanford, but still, yeah. I, you know, that he is not necessarily built for the current uh, thing. And I'm not sure Fitzgerald is either. And Fitzgerald's had an unbelievably good career to have a winning record after like 17 years or whatever the number is at Northwestern is great. But I mean, the record three of the last four years. Horrible. Three and nine, seven and two, three and nine, one and 11. He's gone one and eight, three out of the last four years in the Big Ten. Uh, All right, but but do you take a guy like that? Okay, you say like, hey, we're going to grab Lance Leopold. All right, great. He had one good season at D1, and what did they finish, seven and six? Mm Mm-hmm. Six and Uh, seven, even. Yeah, I think so. Maybe even six and seven. Kansas, it's a miracle worker, but it's like one year. Well, he was really good at Buffalo before yeah, that. I don't know. You know. I, 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 there's no obvious guy. How about this one, right? And I, I don't think you could. Get, I don't think he could do it either. But you never know. What if Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, gets fired at Tennessee? Yeah. Now he's a Buckeye. He's a Buckeye, and he's the one the Buckeye fans want to replace Ryan Day. Yeah. But there's sort of that little bit of like, what would our rivals least like? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be kind of fun. Well, I, I, think I don't that, have an obvious candidate here. No, no. I, there's there doesn't. I mean, there's not one now that Luke Fickle made his move. You know, before right. it, it felt like Luke or even again, Matt Rule, like those were the more obvious ones. But there's there's really not to me. There's not an obvious one. And one thing about Shaw, for sure, when you talk, talk to people around Stanford, talk to people like close to him. I don't know. Pat has like. They don't expect him to ever get back in college. Like it, it yeah, he's done. He's yeah, done. He, he's just. It's just. It would. It would actually make. But that that would make a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I think in the if this was three era, years ago, right? right he'd have if, if it was a different there. thing. He's he's. He, I mean that. And he, you know, he's just got that way about him. As we're a Michigan man over here. You know, he could just play right into that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, you look around the Midwest, who's good? You know, PJ Flex done all right. And and he'll, I'm sure, chomp and he did really well at Western. But like, I don't know. Is that. I think PJ Flex would be one to watch. Yeah, that's an yeah. interesting name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, he, he has done consistently well at Minnesota, which is not that easy. And he's recruited the holy hell out of the Midwest for years and years. You know, I think he would have loved a shot at Notre Dame last oh, no. year when he, it went to Marcus Freeman. So I, I mean, know, it's not he, like he took he would Western and... Michigan to undefeated. Yeah. yeah. And he's only 42. Right. There you go. PJ Fleck. The pot uh, has decided. <laughs> <laughs> PJ Fleck is 42 years old. He's been a head coach 10 seasons. Yeah. And part of maybe the stuff that, like, PJ's like, uh, he tracks a lot of attention to himself, right? 
He does. And, and but when you take over a program like Western Michigan, that's kind of what you got to do. Yeah. And even in Minnesota, well, you know, you could kind of dial that down. I don't know if he ever dials it down. That's the thing. Mm. But it's yeah, so what? Really. You know, two straight right. nine win seasons in Minnesota. They went eleven and two in nineteen. They went three and four in the COVID year. I mean, they went thirteen and zero and got to the Cotton Bowl at Western freaking Michigan. Yeah, I I covered a little bit of that team. It was unbelievable. I mean, yeah. And then I a little I went up in two thousand nineteen did a story uh, on Minnesota. And I mean, yes, he's that guy. He's the hype man and a little bit of a huckster, and he loves to be out front. But it's also that's James Franklin too, really. So. Well, and Harbaugh is a huckster in his own weird way, right? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, he was a huckster when he started at Michigan, too. is signing with the stars and, yeah. you know, let's have a, a satellite camp. I'll take my shirt off, you know, <laughs> uh, overnight stays and all the different stuff, you know. And maybe it's a P.J. Fleck that elevates the recruiting to where – you now have the players that can win a national title because Michigan could have won the national title this year, but realistically, this didn't. You you watch Georgia and you watch Alabama, you watch some of these teams like you know Ronnie Bell's not your best wideout, right? On those teams, Ohio State, you know, like Michigan gets some really good players. I mean, they have really good players. They had three first round draft picks last year, Aiden Hutchinson, stuff like that, but. That they're not winning those kind of recruiting battles. They got Aiden Hutchinson because his dad was at, went to Michigan, and they've gotten guys. But I don't know. It's it's a, it's a it's an oddball time and an oddball thing. But row the big house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan, you're you're up there. Just go drive over to Ann Arbor and inform Ward Manuel that the pod has selected PJ Fleck as the next coach <laughs> at Harbaugh. Leaves. I don't know. I don't know. It's a big job, though, man. I mean, it, is. it is. I was Dude. on Fine Bomb yesterday, and we're you know I'm like, Big Ten's got all the money. It's the biggest stadium. It might be the biggest fan base. I think Ohio State's probably got more fans, but or Notre Dame, I guess. But those are like more casual. I mean, it is. It's a monster, and it's it's you know, they tried to step out of the mold before, and they really just. The Rich Rodri, I wonder if that still scares them because that was just a non-fit in every single way. Yep. Still, like, I, I won't waste any time here, but but if you go back to 2007 and Rich Rod saying no to Alabama. Alabama. Turned it down. Yeah, and then leaving West Virginia and going to Michigan. Like, if, if any of those decisions had changed, the whole sport might look differently. Yep, the whole sport is different if they don't blow that game to pit, I swear. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Well, I don't know the whole sport, but he stays there because he would have gotten. Yeah, he like, stays. They, yeah, right. they, yep. they, they, would they have gotten Terrell Pryor? And if Terrell Pryor yeah. doesn't go to Ohio State, does Trestle mm -hmm. get fired? Mm -hmm. And then has Urban come back there? Or does he end up at Penn State after Paterno retires instead? Like, there's so many things going to that game. But anyway, we've yep. kind of discussed that. All right, there you go. For all we know, as you listen to this, you're like, please shut up about this. Harbaugh just put out a statement saying he's staying. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Let's, let's talk about what did happen. There you go. Tulane! Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. Roll wave. Roll wave. Unbelievable Cotton Bowl. Absolutely unbelievable Cotton Bowl. They are trailing 45-30 with 4.07 remaining to USC. And it looked like they really played hard, and it was kind of disappointing. I, you don't want to see these teams get there, their big chance, and finally fall apart. But touchdown, 
dropped kickoff, one yard line. USC runs the ball twice, I think, right? And gets stuffed for the safety, which is like the one thing you couldn't have happen. They take the ball out of Caleb Williams' hands. Then in 23 seconds, Tulane rolls down the field and takes uh, takes the victory on the on the last second or almost the last second pass. One of the most amazing comebacks you'll ever see. One of the most exciting games you'll ever see. One of the worst defeats you'll ever see, and one of the great victories you ever see. So the Green Wave, which once left the SEC voluntarily because they didn't want to be a part of all that, is back winning major bowl games. Yeah. Ross, nine- you're our Tulane, you're our yeah. Tulane expert. They won two games last year, won 12 this year. Incredible. It's a remarkable, yeah, the whole thing's a remarkable story. This is this was their first major bowl victory since 1934. So, I mean, it's crazy. Like almost 100 years, 80, 89 years, 88 years or so from the last time that they did something like this. And, of course, at the time, you know, they were part of the SEC then. Uh, and I think that was the Sugar Bowl that they were playing in. It, it's been an incredible season by them it's a kind of it's got like a to me it's got like a tcu kind of feel to it i mean you know it's a a smaller private school that you know historically when you go back decades hasn't had a ton of success that's put together just this like incredibly magical season and somehow finds ways to win i think a lot of a lot of teams emerge from their game against tcu uh like we said over the weekend like how did we lose to that team saying, how do we lose to that team? And I think, I think a lot, a lot of people emerge from a game against Tulane kind of saying the same. Now their running back, Ty Chase Spears is incredible. I mean, he had over 200 yards and four, four touchdowns against USC, but I mean, yeah, Tulane's quarterback, Michael Pratt completed eight passes, eight passes in the game. And now over for over 200 yards, he hit a couple of long bombs, but, uh, I think a lot of people emerge with how the heck did we lose to that team? They just they seem to find ways to win. I think I think uh, Lincoln Riley said after the game that it was I, I can't remember exactly his quote, but it was something like it was the worst loss he's ever took or the the uh, the worst feeling after a loss or something that he's ever had. So I think a lot of like people one feel of the worst yeah worst loss, which as if the people in Oklahoma couldn't hate him more, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, you lost the double overtime game to Georgia. You blew this. I mean, like, come yeah. on. In the yeah. college football play. Yeah, his, his, there was a stat. I think it was from ESPN Stats and Info. I wish I could remember exactly what it was. But it was an absurd stat that Lincoln Riley coached teams with double-digit leads, how often that they lose those games. It, it was uh, – I'll have to – maybe later in the pod I can – track it down but it was incredible stat i saw it in person twice against utah they did it twice this year so yeah this this was just astonishing i mean it was unbelievable like in every in every way first of all the very concept of tulane going to the cotton bowl going 12 and 2 beating usc what and then the 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 fact specifically that's coming off of last year when I had really thought like oh my gosh the bloom is off the Willie Fritz rose that mm. that thing's falling apart mm, maybe not but then the specifics of this game to be behind by 15 points with less than 5 minutes to play and to come back to win and the last drive was just in, I mean it was so riveting it was unbelievable fourth and 6 Michael Pratt scrambles for eight yards to get the first down. He gets hurt a little bit on the play. They got to call a timeout with the clock stopped to make sure he's okay. They come back fourth and 10. He hits Alex Bauman, the tight end, down the middle for 24 yards. Then they get first and goal on the USC six with 12 seconds left. And Alex Bauman did the best thing he could have possibly done, which is drop a pass in the flat because if he catches it, they may not get another playoff. There's 12 seconds left. He's going to get tackled. You're going to be scrambling up to the line, get everybody set. You probably could have got one off, but he was much better off dropping that pass. And then Pratt threads the one in, and Bowen barely holds on to it. They originally call incomplete, and then they uh, overturn on replay because he somehow kept the ball from hitting the ground with a USC player's arm actually almost helping him keep, keep the pass. So, I mean, just unbelievably riveting drama to score that way and to win that game and to have that season. Just, that's what college football is, is just incredible. 
that stat, yeah. by the way, real quick, Dan, that stat, Lincoln Riley has now lost six games when holding a lead of at least 14 points since becoming a head coach in 2017. So it averaged no. over one a year, you know, basically of his head coaching career that he had a, at least a, a 14 points. So not, not even double figures, but two touchdown lead and lost the game six times. It's the most in the FBS over that span. Once the uh, the script ends, the offense stalls, man. I'm telling you. Um, yeah. But yeah. Let, uh, uh, all respect to Tulane. Tulane. Got to say it right. Tulane. Yeah, Tulane. Well, you know what? If you wanted me to pronounce it that way, why did you spell it? T O O. Yeah. T O O L U N E. Tulane is a magnificent university. It's very, very hard to get into, but you could spell it like you want it to be pronounced. So it's like, deal with it. Anyway, I know. Uh, podcast attorney Craig Mordock was at the game. He may or may not be awake by now. We don't know. <laughs> he was quite thrilled. To- I do hope that I, I was telling, uh, saying to Craig, I, I hope that, uh, and I hope this was, we mentioned this the other day with TCU. I hope more fans in New Orleans and, and in the Dallas Metroplex adopt the team as like someone to go, go to a game. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, they have these great stadiums, great yeah. seats, and it's exciting football. And it's like, hey, you know, I have, maybe you're an LSU fan all the time, or maybe you're a different, or you're, you know, no, both of those cities have a lot of fans, but maybe you go to a, go to a Tulane game. Maybe you go to a, a TC game, support the, the these programs that are really good. And, and, you know, look in the future, you know, this is, this could be a playoff game where, yeah. Tulane is the 12 seed and it beats a number five yep. USC and it's this epic. Oh my God. And it, it, you know, you build on it. So we'll see. Let's talk USC though on this. Oh yeah. Now this is one year in and, and I think Lincoln Riley exceeded expectations of what he took over. So I'm not going to ding him too much for all this, but to me, there is a sign of like this defense has to get better. It has to be able to get stops. You got to be able to run the ball a little bit or, give up on trying to run and, and just do everything with Caleb Williams. Like I thought when you're in that end zone, I don't know that you're not better off taking Caleb Williams in a, you know, dropping back and, and making a decision either to run or throw than trying to run it up the middle. I mean, that safety was killer, but thoughts on where USC is after one season and, and let's overreact to a colossal collapse here. Yeah, look, that, that, that's a terrible loss. Uh, they had a great season, but it ended with two, brutal losses that both trended along the same lines of like our offense is great and we can't stop crap. We get, when we have to have a stop, we've got no chance. And that, that was really bad. The, they hit harder and tackled better in this game than they did against Utah when it was just flat out embarrassing, but they still Ty J Sears Spears. I I actually picked Tulane to win by a point in the bowl dash. So I got one thing right this year. Oh, yeah, what that? are our standings? No, oh, let's not even. You don't want to see them, probably. Oh wait, I'm. I'm look. sure they're horrible. Are they in the rundown? Oh, no. I'm winning! Hold on. Oh, <laughs> Why did we not Lord. lead with this? Damn it, Sean! You need to alert me to this. Twenty-two and I... seventeen for me. Why did I bring it up? Seventeen yeah, to twenty-two for Way you guys. That's a. I'm clinched. <laughs> Have you clinched? Damn it! Yeah. I don't, you know what? I want my case of beer and I'm going to drink it all in one night with you two paying in LA. <laughs> all right. We'll see you in LA. Yeah, and we'll, that's we what will, I'm taking it. We will have a podcast <laughs> beer a thon. We have to go somewhere with your whatever you drink, uh, Coors Light or whatever. <laughs> Bush Light. Bush whatever Bush Light. Milwaukee's best, Keystone. LA's tough. I got a few spots. I got a few spots, but they're a little shady. The, the speakeasy uh, billiard bourbon hall that I was going to take you to will not have your your no, precious no. You beer, I don't believe. Uh huh. Uh, By the way, USC defense, I was just like, as Pat was talking about USC's defense, they finished the season, or right now currently ranked 106th nationally in total defense they they were 88th last year 40th the year before 77th 60th 68th they haven't been in the top uh 40 inside the top 40 in in defense total defense since 2015 so this is a real problem and uh i, I know they play in a league that you know uh, they should they should have more talent they usually have more talent yeah it's shocking what 
defensively their numbers from the last, you know, half decade. Yeah, well, in listening to those, they're getting worse, which is Alex Grinch and which is Lincoln Riley. I mean, that that's I mean, Oklahoma fans were were taking great uh delight in seeing this and saying, Yeah, that looked a lot like what happened at our place. And yes, it's one year in. He's gonna keep getting better players. I think they'll be perfectly fine. I think that USC will be a national championship contender uh in the coming years, but that's one thing that has to get fixed. And the other thing that has to get fixed is how they handled the post game. Like there's a, a, mm, a softness yeah. there from Lincoln Riley and from Caleb Williams too, who apparently didn't talk to the media and Lincoln Riley took three questions. Like, come on now, you guys, you, you want all the glory, all the attention and all the money, both the head coach and the quarterback getting a lot of money out there at USC stand in there and answer some questions. It's not that hard. It's part of the job. Do it. This has been an issue, right? I think Pat and I both have gone out to L.A. the last few months or so for visits, for games, whatever. And there's been an there's they're pretty closed off. It's 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 been an issue, and it goes back to, to you know back to Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. You know this this isn't nobody has any top secret government files over there in LA that they're having to hide, but it, it, they act like that. And, uh, it's really, it's really unfortunate. You know, I'll, I'll just tell the story really quickly. I mean, I went out to LA and was promised to sit down with Caleb Williams, like in, you know, an hour. And part of my reason of going out there was to cover the USC Notre Dame game. But after that, getting the sit down, it never happened. It, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's really not, uh, not a great look, um, and I saw, I think, some beat writers tweet out that Lincoln a- answered two two or three questions three. after the postgame. Man, I mean, we got to do better than this. It, it happens, and it, it sometimes people wonder why certain programs get way more attention, and that's one of them. It happens yeah. a lot of places. It always has. I, it's one of the reasons I, I prefer to cover NFL games. Mm. college games are can be really frustrating because they get up in their feelings after losses and Mm -hmm. the nfl like the guy can make the worst play ever and he's got he's going to stand there and answer your question yeah it's expected and you know in college you're your own emperor and you can tell everybody no we're not doing this this guy's not available yeah we're gonna have a, a press conference with the coach after the first two questions will be by the 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 radio guy (laughs) <laughs> you know, and then there's like two, and then you, you know, you got to let like the beat guys got to get a question. And it's just like, eh, you know, college guys make it hard and uh, hard to cover. I'm just like, well, fine. I'm, you don't need me. You don't need, you don't, you don't need me. I don't need to be necessarily be here. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah. One other can, quick point on that too. And we, we all know this, the counter op point of that at USC was Pete Carroll, where, Everyone's available all the time, and yeah. practice is open. Uh, and in LA, you're if you want attention, you're better off going that direction. Yeah. So I know no one really cares, but it is sort of like, and I, it's like, all right, fine, I'll just we'll just assume what's going on. If you don't want to talk to us. We're still going to write stories, and we're still going to cover it. We're trying to do the best we can, but you gotta you gotta work with us a little bit. All right, uh, Penn State, really nice performance, pulls away from Utah in the uh, in the Rose Bowl. They finish uh, eleven and two. Two losses to Ohio State, Michigan. How good of a season is this to Penn State? Like, they look like they're having a blast at the Rose Bowl. Is this a good season? Yeah. Not a good season. I, I'm not sure. I think it's a good season. It's not what they're yeah. shooting for. But I don't know. thoughts on Penn State season certainly ended with fun. More fun. They yeah. had more fun in their final game than Michigan and Ohio State yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a good season. It's 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 short of a great season, obviously, and for very. Clear, clear reasons they lost and were not close against either Ohio State or Michigan. But, you know, the, the most important thing for fans is to always have hope. And now Penn State fans, I think, have a lot of hope for next year because their young running backs are phenomenal. Yeah, They've got a freshman quarterback played this year, Drew Aller, who they really like and think is going to step in and, and do really well there. They've recruited well. they got a good class coming in, so... There's there's a lot of hope that Penn State may now finally be able to get up alongside Michigan and Ohio State, and especially look if Jim Harbaugh leaves, that's one more reason to think that next year could be your year. We'll see if it pans out that way. But you know, I think a lot of people 
are kind of over James Franklin as Penn State, and there's you know some suspicion that James Franklin's over Penn State as well. But probably neither one's going away from the other one, and things look pretty good for 2023. So it's a it's a good time. It's a good off season to be a Penn State fan. You can think big, talk big, and we'll see if they can back it up on the field uh, next fall. Yeah, the freshman running back Nick Singleton. He he only had like seven carries. But uh, went for over 100 yards, a couple of touchdowns. He's a uh, player, man. Yeah, really impressive, uh, really impressive runner. Um, so from from that game and from the season in general, just, uh, you know, his performance would, would give me uh, a little excitement going into next year. But uh, Pat mentioned, I mean, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate for them at the division that they are in, but that division might not uh, be in existence in a couple of years. So the best thing coming for Penn State, might be uh, a change to the Big Ten divisions in everybody competing as one and one division starting in 2024. That might be, that's probably a great thing for them. And honestly, with the expanded playoff and them eliminating the divisions, hey, like they should be a playoff team every other year. So I think it's big because they only really then have to be either Michigan or Ohio State in a right. year. Yeah. If they do, if they win one of the two, they should be able to get in the playoff and win all their other games. Also, Drew Aller, obviously, you have uh, a quarterback for the future. Singleton's a t- tremendous talent uh, at running back. Yeah, seven carries, 120 yards, two touchdowns. Now, granted, he busted an 87 yarder on that, but still, they've always got talent at Penn State, and uh, that'll go. All right, the other one from. Um, it was discussed from yesterday. We're not going to discuss the LSU Purdue situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, congrats on LSU. Uh, they would have gotten a bigger fight. They'll get a better game in their spring game than that. Uh, yeah. Purdue, I don't know what they were doing. They if got you want to find the one place where the coaching change just completely gutted their their yeah. incentive and performance in the bowl game, that was it. Yeah. It's We need guardrails. We need guardrails. This is totally out of control. <laughs> uh, coach leaves. Why are we even playing? But no, Mississippi State, it, it was a good game. It was, first of all, it was very competitive. Uh, Mississippi State kicks the field goal at almost the last play. The betters wish it was the last play. If you were betting Illinois, depending uh, which plus side three and on, a half. Yeah. yeah. Or it was either a, 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 a miracle victory, the, the, the pirate giving his, his betters one last uh, victory, one <laughs> last comeback, or it was uh, a bad beat of all time if you're betting Illinois. But Mississippi State wins, emotional game. Uh, if you didn't see it, they, they kick a field goal to go up 13-10. Illinois gets one last play. They actually run up a, a pretty nice. Yeah, they get, got it on the 30. They got all the way down the 30, lateraling it around, but then it got picked off and taken back the other way, and Mississippi State covered. So maybe that was the Pirate putting some money in the in the, in the Bulldog fans' uh, pocket. But it was an emotional game. Look, I... No, nothing against Illinois, but unless you were an Illinois fan, I think you kind of had to be rooting for Mississippi State. Just a, a horrible situation, and I don't, I don't think it really means much. Uh, you know, it's, it's small potatoes to win that game, but I know it meant a lot to those players. Uh, Ross, what do you think? Yeah, I had, um, you know, State was driving, tie game, State was driving. Uh, I think they were probably at the 40 or 30 of Illinois. And so they needed to get a little closer in the final seconds to get a makeable field goal. And they ran, they ran a running play, a trap, trap play that got like 35 yards down inside the five uh, to set up the easy field goal to win. I had um, one of Leach's coaching buddies call me right after the game and, and uh, start talking about that trap play and how, how Mike Leach would have never called that trap play. And he would have been pissed at uh, at Steve Spurrier Jr. for calling the trap play that basically won the game. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. And then I was texted back and forth with Steve Spurrier Jr. about it uh, and how, yeah, you know, that was a play that um, Leach, Leach would not have run, run and he, would, he was rolling over, so to speak, said this friend on the phone to me, but uh, got the victory. And, yeah, he would have... He would have loved the, uh, I'm sure, the way that it, the bizarre and wild uh, way that game ended with, um, with the, uh, uh, you know, pick. What, what would you call it? Not really pick six, but uh, scoop and score, whatever. Intercented yeah. lateral. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, Although so, I thought it was like a forward pass anyway or something. I don't know. Yeah, at some point <laughs> I thought there was a forward pass thrown. But anyway, yeah, they, it was it was actually impressive the way they, they laddered it down the field at like the 30 or the 25. They laddered it for like a good 50 yards. But uh, huge win for Mississippi State. Zach Arnett, 36-year-old, first-time head coach. You know, when you, coach dies suddenly in the middle of bowl practice to to prepare like they did, and, and the offense wasn't pretty sure. Um but defensively, which is his unit, played really well. And, you know, and I'd expect, just like any new coach, there's going to be turnover on the staff. And there's probably going to be a way of, uh, a new way of doing things. You know, Mike Leach and Zach Arnett were not at all the same person when it comes to how they ran their units. You know, uh, as everybody knows, you know, Mike Leach handled the offense and he led his defensive coordinator almost like it was a different team, handle the defense. And uh, Zach handled the defense very different. And I think he's going to handle the entire team that way. And so it's going to be an adjustment for the offense. And there's probably going to be changes, you know, on the offensive staff. And uh, I don't think you're going to see a team that will run the full air raid going forward like Michael H. did. You know, Dana Hogerson told me a while back ago that Mike Leach was the only one to still run the true air raid and not change at all. And I think you're going to see that change going forward. Yeah. Uh, nobody's ever going to run a program like Mike Leach. <laughs> you know, he just, everything he does was so different. And I'm sure schematically there will be a lot of uh, transition there, but also just the whole, you know, mindset mantra. And, and that's, Neither good nor bad. That's just the way it is. Um, I'm just glad, I'm glad we had Mike Leach for for when we did have him. I loved the uh, the pirate flag logo that the Mississippi State put on the helmets. I thought that was tremendous, uh, and it was just very nice for for everybody within that program who's been through a lot in the last few weeks to to go out with a victory. There doesn't change the the tragedy of losing Mike Leach, but it was a nice, I kind of. I guess, validation of the effort that they put into the season and into the bowl game. All right, uh, final game. Uh, we got to get to this. Iowa. You know what? This year's team just brought joy to people's, it is a laugh. You know, like Iowa. 0 for 11 on third down. 0 for 2 on fourth. A gain just 206 yards. They won 21 zip. <laughs> Two pick sixes. They had six defensive touchdowns this year. A terrific stat passed on to me by Matt Benson uh, on Twitter. Uh, Big 10 teams since World War II to win eight-plus games while averaging under 18 points a game. 1961, Minnesota. 1963, Illinois. 1967, Indiana. 1967, Minnesota. And the 2022 Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> How about that? They are a half century plus yeah. throwback. Yep. Yep. 55 years even, right? Is that 50? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That 67 Big Ten season must have been a barn burner, both Indiana <laughs> and Minnesota. <laughs> they only played like 10 games back then. Hey, Indiana went to the Rose Bowl that year. That's yeah. how weird that was. A little red ball. This they, Iowa they team would have won the national red. title in, in that era, probably. Oh. <laughs> Penn State ran the, the, the wing T for a touchdown. Yeah. yeah. Full house T. That was that full was a misnomer T. by Chris Fowler. That was a full house T. Full mm. house T. Mm. That's right. Not the wing T. Great time. Good, good bowl season. So hats off to Iowa. Hey, last laugh, Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, Iowa had one play longer than 19 yards, and that play was Sam Laporta, their tight end, just like going raging bull and just smashing through <laughs> like five guys. It was an eight-yard pass that he ran for 27 yards. But, I mean, it's the worst offensive team I have seen in my lifetime to win eight games. Just ridiculous. Yeah, so there you go. All right, that's our pod. We'll we'll skip any goofy stuff uh, today. We'll be back later this week. Also, I don't know if we still have the time pegged down, but 4 or 5 p.m. Pacific time, downtown L.A. on Sunday. If you're yes. in coming into town, we should have hyped this at the beginning of the podcast. We'll do it next time. Yeah. If you're in L.A. or you're coming in for the game, you want to go over to the Fan Fest at L.A. Live. It's right by the Staples Center and all that right in downtown. Bunch of big hotels right around there if you're staying in that area. Uh, we'll be inside the Fan Fest. 
I don't know how the playoff committee is letting me in there, but I may get <laughs> murdered by it. You can watch me get murdered by a bowl rep. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep you and Bill Hancock in neutral corner. Nah, I'm good with Bill, but somebody else might stab me. Bill's a nice guy. He's, he's there, There'll nice. be some Roseville people lurking there in the shadows. Ready to somebody will. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get. Right. They're going to slam that $2 million Fiesta Bowls uh, trophy over my head. Yeah, so that's point. something to see. Yeah. Come on down and watch me get killed. <laughs> I mean, it's something. Hey, I'm just trying to get anyone to show up at this we'll thing. We'll be we'll be uh, scot free off of buying you that case of beer. You'll be dead. We'll yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> it might be these guys because they're too cheap. Buy me drinks all night. That's right. Man, what an ass kicking. 22 and 17. Not bad. Uh, this pod's over. This pod's yep, over. Pod's Not over. See you bad. later. Pretty. Pretty, pretty good. And the bod. Continue to subscribe. We'll talk to you. <laughs>